right, evening. Um, get your notes out. Really, I'm speaking to myself, but I just needed an atmosphere. If I give an instruction, please follow it. Yeah, you're doing more than you know. So when I've asked, I want to see everyone properly. Don't make yourself missing because you can't hear instructions. That's just the first thing. Um, so I want to speak a word. I'll be tackling many things. I'm not sure what I'll title it. Um, you will hear bits of capacity in it. You hear bits of um, contentment in it. You hear bits of maturity in it um, and all of these different things. Um, so just keep your ears open. And as you hear, um, as I trust and as we trust for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, I want you to make sure that your ears are open to hear instructions for yourself. Yeah. All right. I want to start off with James chapter one. Um, from verse 12 I want to start there so again pardon me if this is not um, an ordered word um, but I feel like there's something that I'm trying to break into <clears throat> so and so let me say this again if you ever care to be in a place of when we're doing word come with the right attitude yeah come with that attitude to hear um, don't um, allow things to pierce you when you are looking for life. The word is serious. James chapter 1 verse 12. Read it first in the NIV. What does it say? Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Blessed is the one that perseveres when? Under trial. The Bible categorizes, um, declares the status of such a person that's able to persevere. Do you know how much strength you need, inner strength, to persevere when you're under trial? Do you know how difficult it is to keep yourself going when it looks like all opposes you? When there are many things to sort out, where there are many things to think through, where there are many things to manage, and even in the course of seeing all of these things, you start to see yourself more and more you start to realize areas of your life that God still intends to work in. The battle of believing God's word to the T, and that's kind of the general theme, and that's the reason why I'll be speaking on many things, but I'm not sure it can be titled like that, but being able to follow God's word, believe God's word to the T. You know, when you hear words like, um, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God you're going to have to believe it to live it and let me explain what I mean by that you can try we can try to excuse ourselves out of that truth but it doesn't matter how well or how articulate we can be in trying to excuse ourselves as to why kingdom may still work for us truth is truth are you listening to me truth remains to be truth the fact that flesh and blood if you are still flesh and remember that we're not going there tonight but remember that the scripture says that the fruit or the acts of the flesh are obvious yeah 
they're obvious. Actually, let's go there. Let's go there. For me, like I said, you guys are here with me. Should you care to hear the word, you're here with me, but I will not rush this at all. This is me speaking the word. Um, But yeah, so the scripture says that the acts of the flesh are obvious, meaning they're inexcusable. You cannot find a way to hide it. And in case we still find ourselves in this area, scripture says that one cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, it's repeated um, on, in quite a few occasions um, to almost certify that statement that unless we are spirit, unless we have done away with flesh, we can't inherit the kingdom of God. So, you know, we were at James 1, and I will still come back there, but when James 1 says, look, blessed is the one who is able to persevere under trial when Sean realizes that at the speaking of the words, the constant speaking of the word, what is actually happening is that his life is under trial. Heaven is trying to consider him for what heaven wants to do now. Heaven is trying to consider me, consider you for what God wants to do now. So when we heard the word, what the word was doing was putting us under trial. But it says that you will be blessed to persevere through it. So I said to you, do you know how hard it is to push when it's like, you know, have you ever thought about how hard it is to take truth? How hard it is to take truth, to like face yourself in the, um, in the mirror. And if there are defaming characters, ugly traits, do you know how difficult it is for someone to say, I have an ugly trait? I'm trying to draw up a picture or an illustration here what we tend to do is create an illustration for ourselves that almost excuses our ugly traits but I just want to say to you that the words that we hear there is nothing God you know I've been thinking about some of the things Pastor Toby's been saying and pardon me for going around like this but we'll get to um, scriptures tonight I'm just thinking about how how much God loves, but is so, he lacks being moved by emotion. He's not sentimental. Thought about last night, I was thinking to, to late hours, early hours of the morning, and I had to put back one of PT's words, in fact, the word from Thursday, and he made a comment that was funny at the time, but I thought about it. It's like, he made a comment saying that Jesus is like, he's just stubborn doesn't matter how much you cry, he's just looking at you like this. Because he's not moved by emotions. He's moved by word. If you satisfy or if you agree with that word, then there are certain things that can come into fruition. So again, let's start so I don't pile up scriptures. First Galatians, I believe. Where are we reading from? Um, 5 from verse 18. Galatians 5, 18. Go on. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Read it again, sorry. From verse 18. Yeah. But if you are led by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, meaning, have you seen, and I've tried to show this to us on many occasions, that a lot of the things that God has in store for us are conditionally reserved. 
Meaning that if you meet a condition, you can have what he stored up for you. He says, if you are spirit-led. So guess what happens? If we're not spirit-led, do you know that all this reading of the Bible, all this giving, all this living in the houses, all these moments, odd moments of excitement because of maybe a day of word um, gingered you. Do you know that all of this can go to waste? Because even God has set conditions that needs to be met. He says, if you are led by the Spirit, the moment when you see words like, if you are led by the Spirit, the moment when you see led, the word led, it's actually asking for how much you can yield. Because everyone here can be led by themselves. If you are led by the Spirit of God, if you are submissive enough, if you can yield, if you fear the Spirit, the Word of God enough, then you will be able to prosper. But let's look at what, how the scripture says this. If you are led by the Spirit of God, you are not under the law. You are not under the law. Go on. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Do you see that? So you don't need to scratch your, your, your head trying to work out what are fleshly acts like. It says they are all obvious. They are blatant to see. They are quick to notice. So look at some. These are just some of the acts of the flesh. But look at what Paul reads to us. Go on. Sexual immorality. I've taught you this before. Yes, sexual morality as we know it is an act of the flesh. But do you remember that recently I told you that the first obvious act of the flesh is sexual morality. The first fruit or the fruit of the spirit is love. Both of them is a commitment of body. Love is the commitment of body to another person. Sexual morality is the commitment of body for self-pleasure. So it's more than sexual sin as we know it. It's the fact that someone could be raised to um, however um, years of age and they cannot move past the realm of trying to satisfy them. That's an obvious fleshly behavior. And if you find yourself, if I find myself still at this point, looking more out for me, guess what? All that the kingdom has for me, I cannot inherit. Are you listening to me? I want to repeat that point once more. That sexual immorality is the commitment or the offering of the body for your own pleasure. Remember that PT gave us the first definition of who we are. He said selfless. But you see, sexual immorality is selfish. There's no, there's no, um, there's no defining it outside of selfishness. There's no defining it. There's, there's no excuse. Let's not try to put makeup over what's ugly. Let's treat it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It's sexual sin. It's selfish. And again, for those that are listening to me and those that will listen, I'm not just talking about fornication and all of that, even though that's included, that's blatant. But I'm talking about what do you or what have you committed you to? I'm going to take you through some scriptures tonight. What have you committed yourself to? 
I have to ask myself, and again, pardon me, especially if you're in the studio, again, you've come to me sharing thoughts and allowing God's words to do certain works. I just have to ask myself, um, what wakes me up in the morning? Because that can be a selfish agenda or selfless. It can be the fact that I understand that my body is no longer for me. If I find myself as a leader of the wealth family or if we find ourselves as leaders of the houses, guess what? A leader is meant to be the biggest servant there. How much you offer yourself to them. So we look at women who lord it. We look at men who lord it. But guess what? If we really want to look at things outside of religion, if we remove religion, you'll realize that these are people with no substance. In case you don't understand what I'm saying, if not for this Christ thing, I want to speak real if you allow me to, yeah? If not for this Christ thing, the people you're trying to lord it over will never hear you. That's a person without substance. That is manipulation. So what am I trying to say? For me, I had to ask myself, if I wake up in the morning, what wakes me up? The fact that I am no longer tired or the fact that I know that I have a commitment to a people because those things, those two agendas is what God is going to grade me by. My reward will be based on these things. How well I achieve or how well I execute my own role. Is it for my own self-satisfaction? Obvious act of the flesh or am I trying to do well in what I do for the betterment of everyone else of the movement of the family that's love such a person will have the kingdom in their own possession soon enough but this is still not where I'm going let's just read it quickly then I'll take you to my first scripture go on sexual immorality yeah impurity and debauchery yeah. idolatry and witchcraft hatred, discord jealousy hatred, discord these are obvious acts you see someone that doesn't know how to speak to one another, discord obvious act of the flesh but you see it says jealousy envy and all the other things we can leave this, you can read this in your own time because this is not where I'm going but when you hear words like this now and this is where I kind of want to get our minds together so as we look into scriptures i don't i i'm not attempting to tell you everything i want to just leave you with certain things to go and meditate on because upon meditation on his law you can prosper in all that you do i want to give you things to go back and think on your mind's occupied with things that don't matter so let's fix our thoughts today on certain things when you see scriptures like this it almost makes it near impossible for someone to actually achieve the status that God is looking for in them, if we're to be honest with ourselves. It seems like when you hear Pastor Obi speak, it's like it's endless the amount of things you're meant to do to please God. But there's something that the word tries to show, and I'm getting there tonight, but the word is trying to do a work. The word is actually trying to prove to you that you can't do it. That's been, that's been the general gist from the beginning. Imagine Peter to whom the church was going to be built upon. 
Can you imagine that he was going to have the responsibility of the future of what God was trying to do, the agenda? It was going to be in his responsibility. And in as much as he is, in quote, the head of the apostles, let me say, even right where it mattered, he still felt. Only to show us in all our best efforts, we cannot do it. So therefore, what is it that God is looking for? He wants us to understand, this is me saying it in a very simple way, he wants us to accept that we can't, that only he can. What does that therefore promote? Dependency and trust in the word, not in ourselves. I was saying the other day that when you think about it, there are many things like, let's not be over spiritual. God's not going to be angry and do anything to us. But don't you ever feel like there's just so many things to do. It's like by the time you've clocked one, there's another three. But then I realized God was trying to do something with the constant reading of the words to us. He's trying to get us to accept certain things in our hearts. And then the question then comes because I like to ask questions. But I've long agreed that I can't do it. That's the question or that's my response to if I believe that God's trying to show me that I can't do it. I think I've long agreed that I can't do it. Here's the issue. Your actions, yeah, speak. Not only the words you speak out of your mouth. No, you don't understand me. So um, that's why I want you to hold on to all these things I've said. And let's look at certain things in scripture. Please take notes in case there's anything that I don't finish off. Those are places that you need to go and ask yourself questions from the word. But again, just to help you to know where you should start from. I think what the word is trying to do is help us realize that we cannot do it. Peter, walking with Christ, realized he could not do it. He still rejected or he still denied Christ. Yeah? All the men of old, even the people in the New Testament, realized that they could not do it. That it is, Paul got to a place that said that I have been crucified with Christ. Meaning, you know, crucified or the crucifixion was a judgment. Meaning I've, I've been already judged. I've already had to pay the consequence in Christ. And then he goes on to say, it is not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So he attributed every ability to Christ. But that was not just talk. His actions had to prove or had to back or had to certify the things he was saying. So, anyway, let me, let me leave this so that you can understand me when we get into the scriptures. So, we realize, I think, the scripture is trying to show us that we can't. And I said to you that my answer to that, even meditating over the last few days, thinking about this, like, why is there so much? And I'm realizing, okay, I can't do it. But then the question is, I've realized I can't do it. So let's look at all these scriptures. Are you with me now? Let's look at these scriptures. Let's begin to tackle certain conversations happening deep within us that God is still trying to treat. If we're ever going to make it, it's going to be based on our ability in certain things. Our ability solely to trust in him. Do you understand that? 
Okay, James 1. Let's go back there. Let's finish James 1, verse 12. Go on. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Yeah. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. Having stood the test, that person will receive what? The crown of life. The crown of life. They, what we didn't know is that life is after the ability for you to stand tests. Life was not when our parents gave birth to us. There are certain situations. The word found the regime at a point. That's when his life began. And put him under trial. Heaven watching his life. Saying, can he be used? Can he receive eternal life? Can he receive the kingdom? Putting him under trial. Now, if he can stand that trial, if he can persevere, then the crown of life will truly be given to him. When you look at your brothers and sisters in this world, can you say that they're truly living life? And let's not be over spiritual. I used to look at them, the ability for them to travel, the ability for them to go and dress in the way they dress. And I thought that was life. But then when you look closer, unless you're not trained in people, unless you don't see people, unless you're not exposed to people, but you only um, uh, measure people from afar. When you look at people, when you get to here, I've had the privilege I don't know if it's a privilege, a blessing or a curse, but I get to hear many people's situations and I realize these people are not living. They're not living because you must have stood the test. You must have persevered. How do I persevere when it looks like all things are down and all things are against me? Do you know how you persevere? By the means of hope. By the means of faith. You know, I said to one of your sisters the other day, when things look down and out, yeah, we have heard news that we're not too pleased about. And of course, it will hurt you deeply. But I said to them, like, I, I, I said to her, or whoever I spoke it to, I said to her, look, when you look at certain scriptures, yeah, or when you look at situations that we are faced with, we ask ourselves many questions, God, Why? Why does things happen the way they happen? And I'll get to some of the scriptures to answer it later. But for now, I started to say to her that, look, God always boasted in the ability to give a spirit that raises a person from the dead. There's a spirit that can only raise you when you're dead. When everything looked down and out, that's when God's power is seen. He says, in your weakness, my strength is seen. In your, in your inability, my ability is seen. In your foolishness, my wisdom is seen. So I started to look at these scriptures. Remember that these scriptures, like P.T. said, the Bible is the compendium of God's thoughts. What you're actually engaging or rubbing minds with when you read the word, not just scriptures, the word now. When you consider these words we're speaking, we're rubbing minds with God. It's only a matter of time of accepting that and doing that for a while before you start to think exactly like him. So we started to see these things and thinking to ourselves, okay, why does things like this happen? How do we get past situations like this? And I said to her that, do you know that there's a scripture that says, 
after everything, these three things abide. It says faith, hope, and love. Are you listening to me? I'm getting somewhere. Faith, hope, and love abides. Meaning a dead person can still give off hope. Hope does not die. So funny, actually, funny saying this now. Uh, I'm thinking about, is it uh, one of the shows I was watching anyway? Um, one of the shows. I think it was um, The Sandman. Yes, it was The Sandman. I was watching that. And this is a character facing another character. And it looked like everything's finished for him. And they have to fire. There's a duel going on. And the last thing that they said that cannot be killed is hope. You know, in the worst situation, and in case why I like or can re reference that is because scripture, Paul told us of how Abraham, it says, um, Abraham against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. When all the odds were against him, when it became clear that it was impossible for Abraham to carry out by his own strength the things that God had spoken of him, when all hope was lost, the Bible says that Abraham still managed to find hope. I'm saying to you that hope does not die. And hope, we can hope because we see, we have heard a word. This word began to paint pictures of a world that yes, we may not see, but because it's successfully painted pictures in our spirit, in our eyes of our minds, guess what happened? When situations, when it looked like it was down and out, when I was faced with situations where it looked like it was down and out, I knew that I couldn't stop here because I've seen more than this. So I can hope. Do you understand me? I'll try to be a bit clearer. I, I've, hearing Pastor Toby for years, those words painted pictures in my heart, in my mental eyes, in my spirit. So when we were faced with situations that do not look ideal, I knew not by my own ability and strength because truly this situation is down and out for us. But based on the word that gave me sight, that made me see a tomorrow, I know that my life cannot stop here. Even though I've seen this situation crash everyone, the difference is that they lost hope. We went to go and visit someone and I was just thinking, everyone here will either return to the things that brought them here. Talking about prison now in case no one's clear. The, the, they will, all, most people here will return to the things that will bring them here or they will stay there because they don't have hope. Because they don't have word. So we have hope because of the words we're hearing. From my mother's house, that was a certain stage of down and out. That was a certain stage of all the odds against me. But we can hope through there because we kept the word going. And the word started to show us things that we could not see physically yet, but we truly can witness in our hearts that these things exist. So James said here, whoever's able to persevere under trial... Having stood the test, we'll receive the crown of life. You want to win life. I think it was Luke that said this or somewhere. You want to win life. It says that you should 
stand firm. The only way to receive life is to stand firm. You will have storms. Listen to me. You will have storms that you cannot make sense of. Don't kill yourself in that area. You cannot make sense of these storms. In fact, unless you truly believe. Now, this is where I'm going. This is helping you to understand where I said that your talks must be backed with your actions. If not, in God's eyes, you're still not talking it. I can say I believe, but if my actions are the actions of someone that does not believe, God never heard me when I said I believe. They must be one. Now, it's a place of not... I don't want to go ahead of myself because I need to say this in a certain way. But to give you a, a, a little insight to where we're going, you have to be someone that situations does not shake your faith. Let's read this in the message as well. We'll get there. I've got a few scriptures for, for us tonight. Go on. Anyone who meets a testing challenge. I love this version. Anyone that meets what? A testing challenge. And go on. Head on. Head on. And manages to stick it out. And manages to stick it out. There's a challenge. If you manage to stick it out, look at what scripture says. Is mighty fortunate. Is mighty fortunate. You don't understand. So the blessing of such a man is measured by his capacity. You know when we say someone is blessed or blessed is this man. God attributed blessings to the person who had the capacity. Actually saying the fact that Pastor Dami can stand through certain things is the evidence that she's blessed. You know what we grew up with is laying on of hands saying you're blessed, you're blessed. But where did we see that proved? Whereas God's perspective is how many trials were you able to stand? Because the truth is, these trials, the majority cannot stand through. The, the test of your blessing are the situations you go through. The moment, and I'm going to go briefly into David because he's someone that we must always look at. But the moment the blessing of you being king, God's choice of king specifically, I want to emphasize that. You being God's choice of king over Israel, the mark of that blessing, no one else would have known it if it was left to Samuel's talk in his father's house because the whole of Israel was not there. The evidence of the blessing was the trials he was able to stand through. What, was the, what is it that God is looking for you to stand firm in? Your faith. You know, I spoke to you the other day around this. That's what he wants you to stand firm in. When we say persevere under trial, it's not the exerting of physical strength. That's not the end or. Is after this trial, is your, can God count your faith still being as pure and rich as gold? Or did certain trials make your faith drop from gold to silver? Because the person that's able to stand through the trial, to him the crown of life will be given. Do you understand what that means? He rules life. 
The queen has a crown to signify her rulership. Life is something that rules many people when God intended for us to rule life. You're not listening to me. I'm trying to give you scriptures. Luke again said, you know when it says, by patience, possess your own soul. Another translation actually says, stand firm and you'll win life. So imagine life was not just something you naturally live. It's something you're meant to win. You conquered it. Are you hearing me? It's something we conquered. So what am I first trying to say to us as the world family? That we should expect trials. We should expect testings. Some of them will come to you in hope to isolate you. That too I'm going to tackle tonight. Because even though a Deborah may have a testing that a Maria may not have, what she must not allow is for that test to isolate her. Because God wants to sit over people. It might manifest to us in a way what may bother me may not bother Pastor Ashley. What may bother Pastor Ashley may not bother me. But tests will still come. What we must not do is isolate ourselves in it. We'll see that in a moment. So it says here, anyone who is able to, go on. Anyone who meets a testing challenge. Anyone who meets a testing challenge, yeah. Head on. Head on. And manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. So what I wanted to say here, and I wrote it down here, there's a Christ-like maturity we must have. And because of time, this will make it very long, but because of time, if you check what made David, this is me going ahead of myself, what made Christ was the undoubting um, faith they had in God. You know, a scripture said that even Christ, he prayed a certain way. He just knew. He trusted God to a place that he said, I will die. Because God had promised, when you do, I will raise you. So he even took it up when he could have defended himself. Defending himself at the point when someone wanted to kill him would have been an, an expression how would I say this? Yeah, this would have been an expression of him not totally trusting God because God had told him something. But only when he gets there, only when he meets the condition, can that which God had promised come into effect. Do you understand that? So there's a Christ-like maturity which is trusting God more and more. That choice we make let me tell you something. When situations hit you hard, yeah, and someone, we look at somebody that came out of it strong. Let me, say, let me say it to you like this. When you see someone come out of a hard situation, nothing supernatural happened to them. They made a choice. Don't weaken yourself by thinking, oh, this is something just supernatural. No. Why can Pastor Obi keep standing strong? I chose to stand strong. I chose to suffer whatever is suffered as a loss. And I chose to stand because I can't lose my faith. What made David was never his bodily structure, was how dependent on God he was. And I spoke to you the other day about counsel to wage war. What would even bring him to the place of hearing counsel 
was going to be that it was an expression that he just depended on God. Every word given to him was what he needed to move forward. He depended on God, not on his ability or not on his experience on the battlefield, how many battles he had faced. He trusted God at every junction of his life. And this growing faith was actually what marked maturity in his life. What is maturity for you and I? Not now that we, we've got to a certain place and we say we now know how to do. Maturity is how, more we, how much more we depend on God. Do you understand me? So let's look at these scriptures. I want to start off with 1 Samuel 22. I just wanted to show you that, look, the choice to keep trusting in God in the midst of trial is the blessing. Let's not be too spiritual. There are people who just believe laying on on hands is, oh yeah, you're blessed. And I'm not saying that's not the case. But making that blessing, um, um, fleshing out that blessing is going to be my ability to stand trials. When we saw David anointed as king, he did not go to the throne straight away. What we saw was his ability to live in caves, in the wilderness, the ability to raise men when he had no resources. You know, the fact that he had no resources or house or terrain at certain points when he began was to actually attribute his ability to something more than resources. It was his dependence on God. I hope you understand the things I'm saying. So let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 22. Read from verse 1 for me. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. You know, we've read this many times. And for me, when we look into scriptures, God is trying to show us something new, especially when we revisit certain scriptures we feel like we've known. I want you to, of course, everything that we have said, keep it in heart. But for this moment, keep your mind clear so that you can pay attention to certain things. Read verse 2 again, the kind of people that came to David. Go on. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented, gathered around him all those that were in where in what distress these people were distressed yeah in debt they were in debt discontented and they were also discontented go on gathered around him they gathered around david read verse one again where was david david left gath and escaped to the cave of adullam david himself was running I want you to hear me with this. David himself was running. There was something that he was trying to escape. He escaped Gath. And where did he go? To the cave of Adullam. He left a shore city and went to caves. In these caves, these caves are not meant for human beings. Animals can reside there. David found himself where human beings do not tread by choice. Situations had brought David to a place. And I want you to remember that scripture says that nobody can come to me unless the Lord draws them. 
So this was not David announcing that he's leaving Gath and people following him. This was God putting David in a certain position that God can begin to trust people to. David himself did not yet have his own city. This was a man that was only living on promise. Oh God, I hope you hear me now. This was David. He was only living on promise. He did not have wealth to his name yet. He did not have a city or a throne. He did not have a space for himself. Guess what he had alone? Promise. I hope you don't think you have anything more than promise over your life. Because if you have anything more than that, at this point, then God cannot commit people to you. To whom did he commit nations to? The man that was only holding on to promise Abraham. He committed nations to. Please don't sleep here. Go upstairs if you have to. He had to commit. He had to commit people to the man that was living on promise. Everything he did. Now, a person of promise. Does that mean they won't have house, cars, um, um, like Abraham's day, cattle and land? No, they will have. But these things mean nothing to them in relation to the promise that God has spoken. Why is it that Abraham, you ask yourself the question, Abraham, you had cattle, you have servants, you have made servants. Why not settle? It means that he did not find himself suiting or he did not find these things as what would allow him to settle. There was something more he was living by. Something else was regulating him. In order that he can participate in the divine nature, God gave him promise. Divine nature was what made a human being not to leave a palace or to leave a house to go and live in a cave. In other words, what marks you living out a divine life is how unique your journey is. You do what others are not doing. It's strange. David left Gath, escaped Gath and went to where? The cave of Adullam. Go on. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it. They had to hear. David did not speak of it. He had to hear, you know, like rumors went round that David has escaped here. So look at what they did. Go on. They went down to him there. Mm-hmm. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. Look, so uh, I want you to think of this now. These people, yeah, were in debt, distressed, and discontented. Why would you, who is in debt, go to a man that has nothing? I thought a person in debt will go to where he can satisfy his debt. I thought a person that is distressed will go to where he can find comfort, peace. I thought someone who is battling with ultimately discontentment found out today that the Hebrew word for discontentment means bitter to the soul. Someone is bitter to the soul. Would you go to a cave? I thought that would make situations worse. 
But there was something more that God was doing. And that's why I said, I'm taking my time to treat this. But why I said, you must keep your mind open. Because we can quickly read this, almost reciting it, almost as if we're chanting. Yeah, it was them that were in distress, in debt and discontented. The free Ds. We, we say these things. But can we analyze this situation for a moment? Can we consider patterns and the ways of God as he tells us, as he reveals to us, so that we can understand how this scripture is relatable to us? That these people who were in debt should have been looking for a situation or a way to satisfy their debt. I quoted it to you already. That no one can come to me unless I draw them. Unless the father draws them. If men gathered to Abraham. 318. I don't think Abraham evangelized for 318 families. To live with him. I think something divine drew them to him. A man that escapes the city. And goes into the cave. Do you know that nothing David left on account of his life was being sought after? These men were only just distressed, discontented, and in debt. I don't think, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to use my mind here. I don't think the best bet would be to leave the city. I think I'll be looking for where to trade to make my situation better. And trading is for the city. So these men, what I'm trying to show you is that Christ or God drew these people to David. So it means that there's something more happening here. Read verse 2 again. Let's, let's break this down again. You guys have gathered with me. So just hear me out. But go on. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him they gathered around him and guess look at what the next scripture because this scripture will help us go on and he became their commander and he became their commander imagine in this room now is however tens of people right somehow most of us here i don't think there's anyone anyone here related with each other to each other nobody you know sometimes you could be so much in a bubble that you don't realize how mad what you are in is no one here is related but all of you somehow have made me or god has made me your commander do you know in each individual there's your own pursuit and way of life what causes quarrels? What causes issues? James said it in chapter 4. The fact that you want your own way. Me and Pastor Ashley have no chance of unity if not for leadership. A third party. Because sincerely, if we were to argue, yeah, she's passionately arguing not because she's evil, but because she believes her way is right. I'll be arguing. We don't argue. I'll be arguing because I believe that my way is right. 
So do you know what God had to do? Guess what happened? Us not having one way will put her more in distress and put me more in distress. Oh, are you? We're getting somewhere, but I'm trying to do this gradually because I'm trying. The reason why I said I need your attention, I need to see everybody, I need to do this is because you can be around here. If we don't get certain things correct, your soul will become bitter. And let me tell you something. There is nothing Pastor Obi can do about it. Because do you know what the word was meant to do? The word gave us one way. The word gave us one true way. What mobilized all of us. What brought, let's say, 30 different people together was one ideology issued by leadership so that it can remain accountable so look at the miracle that God performed here that we don't usually see 400 different men all with issues these issues should have further isolated each and every one of them but that scripture would have been incomplete if not for God making David their commander. I'm going somewhere. If not for God's work to make someone their commander, these people would have remained in distress. Are you listening to me? So what causes distress, what causes quarrels, what causes envy is that many people have their own way. So what God had to do is set the lonely in a family. Give them one agenda. We saw the results of 400 men that were in distress, discontented and in debt. They became what? Mighty. They became the mighty men of David. They became the governors, the people of power of Israel. How? God unified a way. When Jesus came, he said, I am the way. Saying that, look, forget Peter what you're after. Matthew, forget what you're after. John, forget what you're after. If you can all agree with me, if there can be a collective people, then you will prosper. Then the debt disappears. Then the discontentment disappears. Then the distress of your soul disappears. Because the only thing harming you are the many ways. You know what world does, what the world does? It presents to you many things. So it will be eating your soul in a way that you don't even realize. What does the word do? It forms a people and it gives them something to live by so that many can be as one person. So look at what the scripture, verse 2, we're still reading verse 2. Look at what it says. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab. Another thing I noted down and I want you to pay attention to as well. that So these people were discontented with the rulership, the governing board. Um, the rule of Saul. So they left there. Yeah? But we've established the fact that it makes no sense that you're in debt and you go to a situation that will only make your... Si Look, a person that is in debt, that has family, yeah, 
how do you feed your family? If you don't have, what would you do? You will have to look for to be able to feed your family. To leave a city where there's an abundance. To go and live in a cave. You're putting yourself in a harder position. So I'm trying to use these examples to tell you that it was more than their decision making that took them there. God was doing something. I'm still getting there. I haven't said it yet. God was doing something with them. What was the first miracle that we don't notice was that God set a leader to a people who had no leadership. Do you remember what Christ said in the New Testament? That he saw people. He saw the harvest. He said, look, guys, people say that the harvest is not yet, yet the harvest is plentiful. It says that these, he looked at them as people who were harassed, distressed. But what did he liken their distress and debt and all of these things to? They were people without shepherd. They were people without leadership. Or they were people that did not consider leadership. Either which of the two works in this situation. Now, why am I showing this to you? Another thing I needed to take note of was that, do you know that Saul was only a reflection of what was in the people's hearts? Another thought I want you to write down. If I'm to give you a quick history lesson, a quick brief one, do you remember that God had no intention of there being a king over Israel? But the people, guess what they started to do? They lost, you know, what I'm saying to you, family, yeah, is something that if you can stop being a victim, and I'm speaking to women, can you stop being a victim over yourself? Can you stop saying that things just don't work for you, yeah? And hear the word, things will change. What the people started to do in Israel what was leading them, what made them a nation was God's word. So they had priests, they had prophets, they had Eli, they had Samuel. Simply, it was the word of God that was leading these people. But guess what happened? These people became discontented. Um, I really want to go ahead of myself, but I'll try not to. These people were so discontented, yeah, that they started to look at how things were done outside of God's word. So they noticed other nations had a system of rulership of kings. So they said, okay, this looks like what I want. So let's say it up here. Let's have a king. They demanded of God for a king. This might seem far-fetched, but it's like us being regulated by simply the word but your eyes is too open to social media and from afar you're not part of the nation but from afar you're noticing people who looks like they have you know you see artists and you think oh that's a life I'll look I, I, I'm looking for so guess what you start to do you start to want their own setup you know that's what Adam did Adam ate of a fruit of knowledge he saw something else and wanted to introduce it into the garden but the problem is it will only destroy him let me tell you the kind of death that the, the worst kind of death you know fast death 
can almost be a blessing. You know, slow death is the worst thing. The, the pain of knowing you're dying. Yeah. I can only imagine, because I'm not dying, but I can only imagine how terrible it is. Or the pain of the affliction can be terrible to behold. It was so bad that in days where there were um, armies, do you know that sometimes the next army will come and if someone is suffering from a wound that will kill them, they just kill them off to stop them going through that pain. The kind of death that God said will come to the man that eats of the fruit was a death that was slow. The destruction of man from the beginning has been a painful loss. But that's not even what I want to get into tonight. So what I'm trying to show you here is that Saul was then God's providing of the idols of the men's heart. He didn't want a king, so he told them, a king you're looking for, this is the king you will have. So, why am I saying all of this? The men, yeah, that came to David were just like Saul. I hope I haven't confused you with that. They were just like Saul. Remember, Saul was produced out of the hearts of the men that demanded the four king. Before Saul's leadership, we did not hear of these people having distressed and discontented. The Bible does not say that of Israel. As far as the word was speaking, it didn't say that there was an issue. But when, they, when God gave them what they thought they were looking for, his prophetic, what I'm saying, when, they, when what they wanted in their heart was too loud and God granted them what they wanted, what they thought would be good for them, the result and outcome of what they wanted so much, what they lusted for, was only to lead them in distress, discontentment, and debt. Saul was only a reflection, or rather a manifestation of what was in their hearts. So you see what God did? Men had to learn through what they suffered. Okay, where I'm going with all of this is maturity. Maturity Immaturity, yeah, is fleshly acts. To keep doing fleshly things, yeah, is immature. Maturity is to be able to live by the Spirit. Let me give you some cases before I take you into Scripture so that you can understand what I'm actually saying. It was said in the book of Galatians that a son differs not from a slave, yeah, if he's still underage. If you carry on reading the context of this scripture, it eventually leads you to the matter of flesh and spirit. Our days of fleshly acts are our days of immaturity. That even though you have a father and you have an, in an inheritance, you cannot have it. You cannot take what belongs to you because you are still not of age. You are still immature. But you see, the Bible lets us know over also of Christ that, the, that son, though he was, he learned obedience through what? What he suffered. So can I say to you that the 400 men, I'm not trying to do revelation. I'm trying to speak to you something that is for your consideration. 
the 400 men had bitten or had had a taste of what they had previously wanted. And it ended them up in what? Distress, discontentment, and death. They demanded a king according to what they had seen outside of the word. And that's what it made them. So you realize why I've taken my time with this because it had to be something supernatural for people who are distressed, discontented and in debt to go and start living in a cave. It makes no sense. What was God trying to do? God found David. A boy that was young yet mature. Who had no ambition outside of what God was saying to him. David was, this is why I said I needed to go to David. David had no definition or aspiration for his life other than what God said to him. He did not aspire to be king. The only reason why he started to journey and fight for kingship was when God spoke it. Meaning that David was content with God. Contentment is maturity. Are you listening to me? So, Do you understand when I say now the 400 men had had a taster of what they wanted, what they lusted for. They had suffered it. And now God bought these men who were immature because they were after what they wanted. Yeah? They were selfish. These people, God bought them to a man that could train them. Who is the man that can train nations? The one that has been trained. The one that is content with God. Do you understand me? I've had to go all this way to say this to you. So read verse 2 once more for me. Let's look at this. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. And he became their commander. So David was now going to create. Because he was someone that totally depended on God. Remember that Adam before he's four was a man that totally depended on God's provision. His work was to enjoy God's providence. He depended on God. So at the point where we come to a place where we totally depend. Listen to me family. Until we get to a place where we totally depend on God. Yeah. We have not, we have not um, taken back the status of the Adam that God created. To whom all has been given to, to him. Adam, again, did not work for the world. He was given a mandate to multiply, to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue the earth. And as an outcome of all of this, dominate. But you see, God gave him no resources so that he can remain dependent on him. Remember I said to you the other day, if he gets sold out to that state, we called it sleep, we called it rest. What will God do? God will form for him what is suitable. He will witness it. But he will also say, I played no part because my only focus was what God told me to do. David just because of time David got to a place he said can my parents stay here maybe find me that verse can my parents stay here while I find out what God is trying to do with me all he was concerned about was what God gave him as work 
in the course of him focusing on what God gave him to work on, guess what? He witnessed 400 men around him. Yeah? Almost subconsciously, he witnessed them being changed from feeble men to mighty men. You don't understand. If Io's life will change, it's based on what she chose to focus on. If she focuses on the word, she will witness at some point, okay, my business is booming. Okay, now I've got many people I'm employing. But she won't be sold by it because her focus is actually really the word. So like I said of Adam, Adam, how did you know that this woman came out of man? You were the only man. I thought you was in a deep sleep, meaning that you was not awake. No, what God was trying to show us, like I was saying to you, is that Adam got to a state that he was, he does not move. He's not moved by anything else. Someone comes around, someone gets exposed to someone that looks like they have. And guess what? In their heart, they're moved. That's someone that has not entered the state by which God can create. They look at someone that has and then wrongly compare themselves saying they don't have. They're not content. They, oh, how can I say this? Allow me to speak freely, actually. They think they don't have clothes. They think they don't have money. They think they don't have cars because they're looking outside of the word. They are looking. They're not content with what God is saying to them then and now. David was not aspiring to be king. The only word that had come to him at that point was shepherd the sheep. And there was no slight indication that David was looking for something outside of what God said to him. Oh God, are you hearing me? So sometimes God allows, so I ask myself, why do you position the tree that can make man stumble and fall in the middle? Because God wants to see his relationship wants to be based on trust. He wants you to trust him. So I can only move and manifest and work according to what God has said for me. If he hasn't said anything more than what I can, you know, if I start to manifest or if I try to do things that God has not said for me, it's only a display of discontentment. And if discontentment, a leader will be able to tell, oh, this person is seeing something else. Something else is feeding them. Before we saw the nation with drip, yeah, you would not have had the insecurity in your heart if you don't have drip. Do you understand that? But that might be a conversation God is now having with somebody. Not the conversation he's having with you. Don't abandon the realm of conversation God is having with you because of what you see other people having. It's the very reason why God will not allow you to have. You have to be careful of the things you say. You have to be careful of the state of your heart because God answers the conversations of your heart, not your mouth. And if you pay attention to the things you're saying, sometimes you fumble and you say words that you didn't mean it to come out like that. But you see why you fumbled? God was actually trying to take, try to, uh, God was actually trying to draw your attention to take heed to yourself. That's what's residing in your heart right now. You're looking at what others have and you're becoming discontented. You're not in the realm of the word that God is speaking with you. So we look at these people. 
we look at David and that, and you just notice David's move was always based. He just needed to learn. What is God concerned or what was God trying to do with him? Did you find the verse? Read it for me. Verse 3. Go on. From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? Until I learn what God will do for me. So he's not, he, he can only function. He can only move according to what God is saying over him per time. God may be saying for you, serve in media. That might be your conversation right now. Function. The reason why you have not received the next word is because God sees how unfaithful you are with what he has said to you right now. Are you following me? So we look at David and again, like David did not aspire for all of these things. So let's not lose points because I know how long um, this is already. But remember that I've said to you that David, God had called him. He had received the blessing to become king. As he's become king, he's escaped a world. Then there are people who have been bitten by their own desires. Remember, Saul was just the manifestation of what the people were looking for. Now they have suffered based on their own lusts. And what God has now done is that God has drawn them. Again, how do I know it's God? It makes no sense for people who are in debt to go and stay in a cave. How would you feed your family there? At least stay in the city and still. Do you understand? Why would you go to a cave where you'd be exposed to wild animals? You put uh, you put it, you endanger your kids your, and your wife. So it must have been supernatural. For 400 people to all, in all their different issues, like I'm saying, it must be supernatural how we have this gathering. All of you are not related. There was one situation that isolated you, but somehow God gathered you to the same place. Is supernatural. Your destiny is to be mighty. Your destiny is to be those who sit in seats of authority and power. That's your destiny. But we must understand why God brought us here. Maturity. Yeah? Look at Psalm 131. So do you remember? Um, I, I would have quoted this later. But do you remember that scripture says of Ephesians 4. So what was the need for the fivefold ministry? It says for the maturing of the saints, for the equipping of the saints, for the works of ministry. So what gathered people to men of God? The fact that they were in distress, discontented, and in all kinds of debt. In other words, because they were in the state of immaturity. And God had something for them. But it would be by the man of God who totally depends on God. Their life, you see a man of God, he totally depends on God. Like he doesn't have an appetite for anything else. That man lives under the shadow of God. What does God do? He gathers people to them for them to be trained to be matured. So look at Psalm 131. Oh, before we go there, let me give you the scripture. First Corinthians, First Chronicles 12, verse 8. Just read it. I want it to be um, um, noted in your notes. 
First Chronicles 12, verse 8. Some Gadites defected to David at his stronghold in the wilderness. Mm. They were brave warriors, ready for battle, uh-huh. and able to handle the shield and spear. They knew how to use their spear. Why am I showing you this scripture? It became a pattern, yeah, that God can add people to David. The scripture says that the men of Gadites, the Gadites, they defected to David. Do you know what that means? Um, you know what it means? To leave where you are, to go somewhere. It's like, um, find, me defi- find me the definition. They left where, these were people that were already in an army. They left their ideology for this new ideology called David. It became a practice how did David become so powerful? What's the one thing that David's commended for? His ability to trust in God. That's what made them powerful. When you look at Pastor Toby, what made many men gather to him? Have you heard his attitude and the way he takes the word? He depends totally on the word. Does not move outside of it. He's not moved by what people are doing. So when people are doing cars and all of these things, if God has not started that conversation with him, he's not looking for it. But when God started certain conversations with him, he would do it to the max because it's what God is saying. The men of Gadites, they defected to David in the stronghold, in the wilderness. These people left their abode and they left their abode to come and live with David in his in his abode, in his stronghold, meaning they came to live under his rules because his way of running a house was what was making his people sure. Have you got the definition of defected? Go on. To leave a country, political party, especially in order to join an opposing one. To join an opposing one. Do you see that? So they realized that David was the exact opposite, but he was a preference. That's what happened to us. We defected our previous ways. This is actually repentance. So I was saying to someone that I, I, I can't remember who I was talking to. and I, uh, No, it was Nana. And I was saying to her that I know God is saying, be visible. I know that's what he's saying to me. So that people can know where they can leave to go to. But let's leave that. that I just wanted you to note that down because we're coming somewhere in coming days psalm 131 my heart is not proud lord my eyes are not haughty i do not concern myself with great matters do you see that look at that i'm just showing you the attitude of david he says my heart is not proud yeah my my eyes are not haughty can we get the definition of haughty as well My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. Go on. I do not concern myself with great matters. David knew. You see, David thrived because he knew where to place his concerns. He put his energy where God needed it to be. He says, I do not concern myself with what? Great matters. With great matters. Do you know what causes distress for you as well sometimes? Or for us? We're trying to work out God. When he said, I didn't ask you to work me out. I, told, I asked you to believe me. 
He says, I asked you to believe me. Believe my personality. Count me as reliable, as trustworthy. That what I've said, you will surely have. Read it for me. Go on. Arrogantly Did you get the definition, by the way? Read it. Let's, let me know what the definition is. Arrogantly superior and disdainful. Do you see that? So, my eyes are not haughty. Definition again. Arrogantly superior and disdainful. I'm not looking for things bigger than me, in other words. Are you hearing me? Look at what he then says. I do not concern myself with great matters. Or things too wonderful for me. So over the week, I was thinking, God, why? Why would this happen? And he says, you're worrying yourself with things that didn't tell you to worry yourself about. These are things too wonderful for you. From here, he took me to Isaiah 55, but we'll go there later where he says, my ways are not your ways. It's already settled. Not that you can try and figure, I didn't ask you to understand the way. I asked you to believe me. Believe that all things work out for the good to them who love me. What is the love of God? Those who obey my teachings. If you can stick by my word, can you trust that I have your best interest at heart? And I think this is what God is trying to say to us because sometimes we can be in a place where we feel like we've been hard done by. It feels like all this time we have not seen anything. But God said that the crown of life is for the person that's able to persevere. It gets tough. When the going gets tough, you need to have power. The Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is low. So all these words were bringing me to a place of having enough strength to get through each day. That's why we call it daily bread. He says here, read it, read it for me again. He says, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Yeah. But I have calmed and quieted myself. Look at what he did. They, oh my days. You know, I love David. He says that I have quieted myself. He had trained himself meditation made him consider who he was he began to quiet himself do you know what that means what would have made him distressed what would have made him void of peace was the noise going on in him you guys are not listening to me many things would have created much noise in him that would have caused distress why would a young woman who has the best of things ahead of her be stressed at her age she can blame other things like i said to you at the beginning we get to a place where we're not truthful with ourselves because it's not easy to to face truth but if you dare to face truth today if you dare to begin to face truth knowing that there's nothing outside of you that defiles you it's what comes from inside of you meaning that whatever makes you unhappy whatever makes you insecure is a world of things going on within you but david began to prosper david became strong because he taught himself or in other words or in his words he quieted himself he understood that what the word was trying to do was silence foreign voices he didn't need many voices if he finds the voice then he would know the voices he should silence i quieted go on but i have calmed and quieted myself yeah i am like a weaned child with its mother listen to this i am like a weaned child with its mother do you know what weaned is or do we have to look for that definition as well okay bring the definition of weaned 
It's important that we understand these things so that you know how to combat. What I'm meant to teach you is how to fight. That's what David does. I'm just thinking, why, why, why is this like we never have peace? But then I realized, you're a house of the fighting man. David. So I'm telling you things that if you ever trust what I'm saying to you and you have time, even if you create 10 minutes in a day where you just think about you, I'm going to show you a scripture because PT said it and then I found the scripture for it and I realized, oh my days. So we fell because we just don't discover who we are. I'll surely take you to that scripture. If I don't just say, sir, sir, I need to go to that scripture. There are certain things that we are battling. So I'm meant to teach you how to fight outside of this arena. What is weaning? Go on. Accustomed to managing without something which they have become dependent on. So you see that God only needed us dependent on him. But community, experience made us accustomed to depending on relationship. Imagine someone's happiness is based on if the, the person they're in relationship with is talking to them or not. How did we get there? Or someone feels like, oh, things are going right if I'm always called on. How did we get there? Community taught us many things. Only to dissipate our souls. Because if our hearts are given to many things, ultimately we'll begin to experience bitterness of the soul. But if you have a focus, if a pastor Ashley has a focus that it's not even Pastor Obi, it's word. And I understand my role because of word to Pastor Obi. If an athlete understand, it's not if I have or don't have. Paul got to a place where he said, I learned, I learned how to be content. He learned how to live when he was low. When he had an abundance, he was actually telling us he had got to a place of maturity. That's why he has the, the, the story of takeovers like he does. He was not looking for more than what God gave him. So to win is what? To be accustomed. Go on. To accustomed to managing without something which they have become dependent on. Accustomed to manage on something that, whatever it says anyway, you've heard it. But what I'm trying to show you with that is that even weaning is a process. It says to manage him, meaning that it's a process that you have to go through. Now, look at what this scripture says, and I'll give you another translation. Go on. My heart is not proud, Lord. Yeah, go on, read through it. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child. I am like a weaned child, yeah. With its mother. With its mother. So I'm weaned and I know who I'm dependent on. Look at what the next verse says. Like a weaned child, I am content. So what is a weaned child like? A content person. A weaned child is a mature trained child. Who are they like? What does scripture compare that person to? A content person. So immaturity or a child not yet weaned is a discontented person. Do you understand that? You, you have started looking for, your heart is looking for things outside of what God has for you. You know, have you finished that scripture? Read it. Israel. 
Put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. The voice, read it quickly. I want to run through the last few scriptures I've got. From verse one, yeah. Go on. O eternal one, my heart is not occupied with proud thoughts. My eyes do not look down on others. I don't even begin to get involved in matters too big. Matters of faith, state, business, or the many things that defy my ability to understand them. Of one thing I am certain, my soul has become calm, quiet, and contented in you. My soul has become calm, quiet, and what? Contented. Contented in you. I'm not worried. I'm not afraid. I'm not anxious of tomorrow if... I'm living by the word if they are led by the spirit. Now look at what he says. Like a weaned child resting upon his mother, I am quiet. Yeah. My soul is like this weaned child. My soul is like this weaned child, yeah? Oh Israel. Look at what he says because he's, he's teaching, he's training men. David became something, a, a curriculum to be taught and to be learned. Look at what he said. He said, oh, Israel, meaning people, people of God, people that God has separated to himself. Look at what he says. Go on. Stake your trust completely in the eternal. I love this translation. He says, stake your trust. You understand? Stake, like, put, like, uh, invest your trust, knowing that you will have a return. Do you know what he said to Abraham? Actually, quickly, Genesis 15 in the New King James. He told Abraham, look, I am your exceedingly great reward. He says, if you're going to have me, invest your trust. Are you following me, guys? I know things may look the furthest away from what makes sense. But if you're a man, a woman living by the word, your life only doesn't make sense because your path is unique and strange. But your reward is sure. Why do we hear the words that we're hearing? Why do we hear the words on a continual or a constant basis? God's words are reassuring words. Read from verse 1 for me quickly. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So why does the word keep coming? He notices sometimes when we're fearful. He notices sometimes when we have questions, when emotions arise in our hearts. You know, you'll be looking at someone saying, what's wrong? But you see, sometimes I realize a person physically that has not learned how to discern them cannot even tell when something's wrong. I was saying, till late last night, just, I'm just, I'm, my heart is just running. So I had to wake up in the middle of the night and I had to go to what I know, which is PT. Listen to his word. Until I wrote on my notes, which developed all these thoughts, what is my heart searching for? That's what I had to do to start off with everything. Listen, guys, let me tell you something. If you're lazy, yeah, in taking heed to yourself, you have no chance. Let's put it aside. There's no such thing as oh, me laying hands and saying this thing will happen. If you're lazy in paying attention to yourself with the word, you will not get anywhere. It's never been a promise of God to give you strange things. He says, take heed to yourself. So he says, look, do not be afraid, Abraham. So Abraham, the great father of faith, 
at one point was afraid, had an element of doubt, was unsure if God was still going to manifest what he had said over him because God called him at 75 and years have gone by now. Time is going. Strength is going. Even his wife no longer has the ability to give child. So he's thinking it's near impossible. Can you still do the things you have said? And God comes to Abram as a reassuring voice. Do not be afraid. Go on. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your shield. Yeah. Your exceedingly great reward. Uh huh. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? So you see there, so Abraham had questions. He had questions in his heart. So God knew that he had questions in his heart. That's why he spoke the word. But these words, the purpose of the word was to give him strength. Where he felt like all strength was lost. To give him hope. Where he thought all hope was lost. Can you become? I sat down today and Nana was asking me questions as we went for a visit. And she was asking me questions like I made a comment saying uh, that I've said before that um, everyone must know at what stage of PT they're at. And I said, I believe I'm still in Lancaster House. I'm in, you know, PT Lancaster House. You know, even, how do I say this? Even someone that will go back and listen to this will be like, why would you say you're um, PT Lancaster House? I understand what I'm saying. Meaning that I'm looking at, I'm just imagining PT. The people that he would have fought according to church are the ones that can produce. They've left. And at this point, he's looked at Pastor Shadi and said, oh, you're going to be a pastor. It looks normal now, but then it was like, what are you doing? To see a pastor Sam is something. And do you know that time they were struggling to rub 50 pounds together? You don't understand what I'm saying. So I trusted the word that took people out of that stage and made them millionaires. And said, I know a dummy can become a new template of, of, of a financially strong woman. I know it. Yet she has to just fight. The only promise I can give her is that, look, the blessing of God over your life is to then go and fight. What you have not fought for, you do not have the right to. Do you understand that? I hope you're hearing me. So I have faith. I'm saying that I may be someone that it's like I can't move outside of the realm of word. Don't try to force a conversation. Do only as the word that has been spoken to you. It says, do not be afraid. I am your exceedingly great reward. He says, now stake in me. Stake your trust in me. Sean, you will have a result. You will have a reward if you stake your trust in me. And why it has to be trust is because sometimes it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it. It's like you've tried. But God is still saying, as far as the word gives you vision and sight for tomorrow, keep going. I still have one or two more scriptures for you. First John chapter 2. I've got this and two more scriptures. But I won't spend as long on them. Again, why am I speaking like this? I just felt in my heart that God wanted me to, he wanted to speak to me. And I've told you before that I speak, it's like God speaking to me in front of you guys. Anyone that's with us will follow together. I, I tell you this, for anyone that sticks by this word, we won't fail. There's a call for us to, 
to give life to Europe. It's beyond what your mind can imagine. It's what God has called us to do. And he doesn't rely on if our bodies can do it. Abraham, against all hope, Abraham in hope. When Abraham realized that his body was as good as dead, do you see these things that were said? You may think, oh, it's your efforts, your effort. And we must try. We must fight through. But God is getting us to a place that dependent, the dependency on what he is saying is what's going to get us there. And if we stand through, uh, we, if we stand through the test of uh, the trials that we're going through, if we persevere, then the crown of life will be given to us. Look at what 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. I can't even remember where I put this scripture here, but go on. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh. Yes, go on. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Mm. The world and its desires pass away. What Father does? Do you want to dare answer that? What Father does? The Word. PT has constantly come to us and said that, look, he's the word. What, what, is, what we're drawn to in him is the word. That's the only thing he gives us. If, if you're seeing types of people being birthed, these are the people that are birthed by, born of God, born of the word. We have seen people who have been born of um, um, parents' desires. Do you understand that? We've seen what they become. But we are people born of the word. Now he's saying to us that these people, you have to look at what distracts people. Start that verse again, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Do not love the world or anything in it. Go on. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Mm -hmm. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Look at this, two desires. And one in the form of pride. He says there's the lust of the flesh. Anything that is craved excessively. That's what usually derails people. He says also there's another desire. What was it called? The lust of the what? The eyes. The eyes. It's not only, he's not talking about what our eyes literally see. But he's also see, he's talking about where we fix our mental eyes on. Our imagination our thoughts. This is what derails people. And then he says, the pride of life. Anything that draws attention to self. This is what derails people. God says, don't focus. He actually tells us, this is what makes the world. You know, you think the world is the trees and all. The worlds are these things. Systems that were formed were formed or became ruined by these things. This is the spirit of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. This is what derails people. And he says to us that we should not have care for these things, but we should only love the Father. Our attention should only be given to the Word. That's how you say, that's how you stay healthy. But look at what he says, because we'll read this in another translation. Go on. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, mm. but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Read this in the message. Did you see that? It says the world and all of its desires will pass away. I'll explain that in a moment. But it then goes on to say, but you see, 
um, um, whoever set themselves, paraphrasing, on what God has told them to do, the will of God, that remains. Look at this in the message, quickly, from verse 15. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Yeah. Practically everything that goes on in the world. Look at this. Practically everything going on in the world. Yeah. Wanting your own way. Did you see that? What destroys people? Wanting your own way. The 400 men that were in distress was as a result of wanting their own way. How do I tie all of this together before I take you to um, the last few scriptures? PT, yeah, is who God has given the word to. Yeah? Your house leaders or the family heads are people who God has entrusted the word to for you. Yeah? How do you make sure you don't become distressed? Become content with what leadership is saying. That's where everyone... So I've used... I've illustrated many things. I've shown you things outside, but I'm trying to now drum it down into our practical life. Why would someone become distressed? They wish other than what the leadership is saying. You know, that's tough to say because you see now the position of a leader, of leaders to the wrong heart, it can be seen like manipulation to anybody. That's why you need to have had word train you to hear, to hear what I'm saying to you. There are people in the family that are going through all kinds of turmoil. They're going through all kinds of um, um, issues because they're in the family, but they want their own way. That's what's destroying them. We have not matured ourselves. Those that you see in the nation that you feel like, okay, these are the strong heads. These are the people. Time trained them to not care about anything other than what PT is saying. Their age does not begin to demand what they should have. It's just what leadership is saying. And that's no longer talk. Their hearts have been trained. Their actions have been trained to back and follow up with what PT is saying. I've realized, and this is why I said that, that I had to take time today, and I hope you've heard me tonight, but take time to go back and think about the things that I've been saying to you, that you can be in this house, you can be um, the leader, yeah? Let me just use myself. But if in your heart you have not come to total agreement with what has been declared as the way for this house, do you know that that's just like the person that's gone out and looked at many things. The result of it will be distress, debt, and discontentment. Do you understand that? Read it for me. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. I think you should go back and read that scripture, but you carry on, don't you? It just isolates you from Him, the world and all it's wanting. Wanting. Wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Do you understand that? Your own way, as strong as it may feel, it's passing away. The person that follows their own passions, yeah, as strong and as certain as you think they are, if you follow it, it has no future. 
It's only setting your heart and mind on what God is trying to say. That is what PT is saying to the family. That is what Pastor Obi is saying to the world family. It's setting your heart on those things that will make you establish. You will remain. Do you understand this? These are the things that God promises to us. Let's round this up now. Isaiah 55. Did you finish that scripture? Finish it first. Read it. Go on. It just isolates you from him. Yeah. The world and all it's wanted. No, I did. You did. Isaiah 55. Go on, read it. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat, come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Mm. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not. Just because of time, I won't go through this, but you see how scripture is like a puzzle. It's been trying to tell you something. It starts off with the scripture says, come all you who are thirsty, the distressed, the discontented, the people in debt. You want things, but you don't have it. It says, this thing that I'm calling you to, you don't buy it with money, yeah? It's you're coming to a leadership, yeah, that I have set. I have made them a ruler over people, a commander over the people. But carry on reading. I don't want to go into that. That'll make it longer. Go on. Surely, verse 5. Surely you will summon nations you know not, mm -hmm. and nations you do not know will come running to you yeah. because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their faults. What makes the wicked the wicked? They have their own ways. Read that verse again. Let the wicked forsake their ways. What makes us wicked? Let me just repeat it. You have your own ways. Go on. And the unrighteous, their thoughts. What makes them unrighteous? They have their own thoughts. Now look at what God says. Let them turn to the Lord mm -hmm. and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts. I just wanted to read the scripture. It says, but my thoughts are not your thoughts. Go on. Neither are your ways my ways, yeah. declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth mm. and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. What he's trying to tell you, he's selling to you the power of what he says. You don't need to worry. You don't need to work out his ways. He's already said they are too wonderful for you to comprehend. You will only run yourself mad 
trying to work. It's like, have you ever felt that when you feel like you've got what God might be doing, you say it and then it doesn't work? It turns you mad, right? You're acting humble. I, I remember, damn, you remember when you told me oh, it had to be this day that um, thingy's coming out? And it sounded so prophetic. Even I believed it. Then it never happened. Then it'll just run you mad. Like, do you understand that? Like, I realized these things would just run you mad trying to work out God. It'll make you distressed. It'll make you ask questions. But God says, I didn't tell you to work out my ways. My ways are for me. I'm telling you to believe me. And then he gives you this another word of reassurance. He tells you that as rain falls to the ground... And it waters it and it does not return to me. He's saying, my word is that effective. It only does, it can only carry out what it's sent to do. It does not have the capacity to fail. I'm saying to you and I, that the words that we have been hearing, they are powerful in itself. They do not have the capacity to fail. We just have to agree with it. What is maturity? Contentment in what he's saying to us. Discontentment is as a result of not trust or immaturity rather is discontentment in what he's saying. We're looking to many things. We must train ourselves like David did. We must train ourselves to quiet down our souls. Make them calm. Make it calm so that we can just live by his word. I have one scripture that I'll read to you. Godliness with, um, godliness with contentment is great gain. That's um, 1 Timothy 6, 6. And then I'll stop there. NIV says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But just because of time, the message, read the message and then we'll stop straight after that. A devout, li a devout life does bring wealth. A godly life will bring you wealth. But look at what it says. But it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. I'll leave that almost like a cliffhanger for another conversation. PT said the other day, and I want you to go back on Thursday, and I'll have to paraphrase it. But he said, paraphrasing, where we will make it is when we realize that we are just who we are. Imagine that godliness... And all the demands of God is just trying to make Corriday realize who Corriday really is. Community can make you become someone that you think you are, but you're not. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? But he says, look, a devout life, read it once more. A devout life does bring wealth. Does bring wealth. A life dedicated to God brings addition, brings multiplication, brings wealth. Yeah? But it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. But what was it that God was looking for? The richness of a dummy being dummy before God. And you see, why I had to show you this scripture and why I said I have to leave it as a cliffhanger is because it's a, it's a long conversation of itself. Things like when PT started to first tell us, when he first started to make comments like, um, um, a time is coming where... Um, um, true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. No, what God was looking for, what is the truth of worship? Tony being Tony before God. Well, we'll have to tackle that another day. I'll end it here. Let's just have the keys played for a bit.
I want to give us about two minutes to pray in the spirit. Why do we do things like this? It's a submission also of not assuming that we have the ability to recall or retain all these words. It's been maybe two hours of us speaking now. But what I'm trusting God for is that these words, he himself will fit it in the innermost being of me so that it can truly germinate. Remember, word seed that fell on good ground. If you don't rely on God, the word can fall in many places. I need it to fall where it needs to fall in me. Do you understand that? So for the next two minutes, I want us to pray in the spirit. And I'm repeating to you, please, guys, in case you don't have the self-will, you don't have the energy, I'm sorry to say to you the truth. Should you not fall on the conditional side of God, what he's required for you, you might as well give up now. And you see, if you don't, if you're not able to follow what God is telling you to do, I'm not telling you to be disciplined if you're not disciplined. Of course, discipline is needed. But what I'm trying to say is your ability for your heart to yield to what God is saying, to believe it, to do you understand what it means first? Like you, you're uncomfortable when you've not heard word. Like you're uncomfortable. You need it. Until you've got to that place, there's no promise over your life that can come into fruition. We need to become a house that totally depends on God first with his word. Do you understand these things? Thank you for your time this evening. I want to, again, encourage you to to develop the practice of paying attention to you. If for offense, there's many things in this world that will offend us. But if there's things that offend us, it tells us where our hearts are set in or set on. You know, Abraham um, sacrificing Isaac was proof that he had been weaned of his own way. <clears throat> it means that he is content with God's way. Because imagine for years he thought it was the strength of him having a child that would bring him the promise. And then God says, okay, let's sacrifice your only way. The moment when he shows the willingness to sacrifice that was him trusting totally, was him making a clear statement to God that he trusts God's way. I'm not saying that the road is easy. I'm not saying that it's, um, um, it's not tough. It's tough. But the crown of life is for those who can persevere. And I truly believe that the word comes to us in this manner because it's a reassuring voice. God is saying, you can. I can do, Paul got to a place and I could have shown you that scripture today, but he got to a place that I've learned to be content with this and this. And then he said, I have known the secret of contentment. And do you know what he then goes on to say? That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It was the word strengthening him. Things don't make sense, but I'm saying that you will save yourself a great deal of hurt and pain if you forget trying to work out the way and focus on the word. What I want to see developed in this family, and I'm trusting God to do this work in me as your leader through to every single one of us, 
to teach us to quieten our soul. There are many things going on there. Am I not good enough? Did I do something wrong? Have I missed it? Many words. But that's not what the word of God has said to you. The word is not a condemning voice. It's a reassuring voice. Do you understand that? So I want you to take these words, think about them. Develop a culture of taking heed to yourself. Don't be the person. Look, fun and family is some of the things God gave us. That's why I don't say, oh, we shouldn't do that. It's part of who we are. We have seen that alone win people. So how can I neglect that? But be someone that finds time. Be responsible with you. Find time. And I'm not saying lock yourself for hours. You know, just the diligence of thinking about yourself for five minutes. And when I say thinking about yourself, I'm not saying think about yourself for you. You just know that, I just know that, Pastor Obi, you need to get better for the sake of people that depend on you. Taking heed to myself and to the doctrine, the word that regulates and, in quote, makes us a collective. Paying attention to these things will let me know when I'm out of line. Do you understand? We don't aspire for anything more than what God says, but the things that God has said for us or to us, we would do with everything in us. And we know that all God needs us to do is stand firm. So I pray for the family and everyone that will listen to this. Um, if this part is recorded, if it's not, I'm still praying for the whole family that God will strengthen us in our inner man. Give us the ability to stand firm. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. That's the one recurring word that they've said to win life. Many things have been said today from the 400 men. And I'm taking my time to do this because I need us to get it. From the 400 men, they had been, they had suffered their own lusts. Saul was only a manifestation of their lust. But now they had come to David a young boy yet mature. What makes him mature? He's content with God. And that training is what will make weak people the mighty men of the city. Do you understand that? Thank you.